bought it from the grandson of the original owners of the house. It's a very, very large house. It's four stories, and it's got seven bedrooms. Downstairs, obviously, we have two kitchens for the kosher aspect of it. So it was one family living in this huge house. So in the Latin culture, you know, you typically see families living together, the grandparents, the parents, the kids. So it was a big family that lived in that house. And when we decided to start looking for a house, we met the owner, who was the grandson. And he and his wife were living by themselves in this giant house. And so he was ready to sell and buy a smaller house because it's just the two of them. And my parents repatriated, which meant that they, you know, got their citizenship status back. And my brother and I also became citizens, and therefore we were able to buy property because Americans are not able to buy property in Cuba. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. I know that not all of you are located in a cold winter climate like me, but at the same time, I'm guessing most of you are not located somewhere in the Caribbean, specifically Cuba. So following my plan to begin 2020 on the Big Schmear by talking about Jewish food with a bit of a twist, I thought we'd explore Jews and Cuba. Why not? Jews are everywhere, right? So that brought me to my guest today. Her name is Cindy White, and Cindy's family owns Chateau Blanc, a bed and breakfast in Havana, Cuba. It's the first and only family-owned kosher-compliant establishment in Cuba. Hi, Cindy, and welcome to The Big Schmear. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I thought I might start by asking you if you could give my listeners just a brief idea of what Cuba was like for Jews before the revolution. And that's the time when you, I mean, your parents grew up there, so this was their experience as well, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, it was. So Cuba before the revolution was a glorious place. It was the playground of Americans. You know, they would come for the weekend and go to the casinos and have their mojitos and go to the beach. It was beautiful. And there were a lot of Jews at that time. There were over 15,000. And now, unfortunately, it is down to less than 1,500. Wow. And before the revolution, when there was a larger Jewish community, were they, do you know, were they mostly in the Havana area or were they spread out around the country? The majority of them were in the Havana area, but there are, um, still to this day, a couple of synagogues in the other parts of the country as well. But mostly still in the Havana area. Yes, yes, they are. And so I'm sure that your parents have shared stories about Jewish life in in Cuba over the years. Is there anything that, is there any story that comes to mind that you would want to share with us so that we might have a better sense of what that was like? Well, it was, it was, the Jewish community was very close-knit. And there were, I mean, just for one example, my parents knew each other their whole lives, and they didn't start dating until they were a little bit older. You know, my mom was 13, my dad was 15. But so everybody knew each other, and it was just one big, wonderful community. It sounds so idyllic, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really was. And so I know that, that your parents have made a number of trips back and forth to Cuba over the years that they lived in the U.S. And I, I'm curious, when did you when did you take your first trip there? Well, my dad took my brother and I, along with some other Cuban, Jewish Cuban families, in 2007. That was the first time that any of them had been back since 1960. Wow. So it was very emotional trip. It was incredible to see it through their eyes. It must have been amazing for you who would have heard all about this all your life and then to suddenly be in this place and see your father rea- react however he did for various places along the, the your travels. And I can't even imagine what that would have been like. It was, it was bittersweet because the stories that we heard and the pictures that we have seen were of the Cuba that I told you about earlier. The yeah. idyllic, the beautiful place. And what we saw was nothing like that. Yeah, that's so sad. It was very sad. And it was sad for us, the second generation, to see, but they were just heartbroken. Yeah, I can just imagine. On the other hand, it brought back some really great memories, too. So they were all talking about, remember when we, you know, used to go to Sunday school? And remember when we used to go to the, the sports arena and play and swim at the pool? So it was, it was really nice in that way. And I'm sure... Through that, you heard other stories about your parents that would have never come up had had that trip not happened. Exactly. Yes. 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 So it was it was really nice for us to experience that with him. So tell me, when as you were growing up in the in the U.S., did you have any specific experience about the connection between Cuban cuisine and Jewish foods? Um, did you eat? traditional Ashkenazi or Sephardic food? Was there a Cuban twist to any of it? Was was that, did that play an interesting part of your growing up? Um, it did. I mean, for the most part, we ate typical Cuban food, you know, black beans and rice and arroz con pollo, chicken and rice. But for the holidays especially, we did have traditional Ashkenazic food. One of my favorites was it was a twist on the song that, you know, the Ashkenazis make, but they did it more Cuban style. So there was more tomatoes and garlic and other spices in there. So it, it had like a, a little Latin twist to it. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like it was great. Yeah, it was, it was really good. It still is very good. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that helping the local Jewish community in Havana has been an important component to your family and your and the way you live your life. And I'm guessing that led to the investment in Chateau Blanc. So I wonder if you could be maybe a little more specific and, and explain how this property and this project fits into that family goal. Sure, sure. So when we were there in 2007, we saw the the need of the Jewish community because for the past 50 years, they hadn't experienced, you know, any, there weren't very many 
tourists who came to see them, and so the resources were very, very low for them. So we wanted to help them out. So we started bringing a few friends and then friends of friends, and I brought my son's youth group a few times to do some community service work. And so, you know, little by little, we started bringing people in. And what we realized was there was a whole part of the Jewish population that couldn't easily visit the island, being the kosher, you know, observant Mm -hmm. population. So that's when we had decided, you know what, such a mitzvah to allow them to come to Cuba and experience Cuba and learn about the Jewish community and to have that brotherhood, everybody experiencing it together. So that's why we opened Chateau Blanc. We work with a an organization called Pack for a Purpose. So every group that comes to Cuba can go on the website and look at all the needs that um, we are collecting for the pharmacy at one of the Jewish synagogues and another senior center is at another synagogue. And we have brought so much aid to them that it really makes you feel good about it. Can you say again how uh, uh, the address of that website, in case people are interested in following up with that? Sure, sure, sure. It's called Pack for a Purpose. I believe it's packforapurpose.org. Great. So your family purchased this beautiful home. And so I haven't been there personally, although someday I'd love to go. Um, but I have seen some photographs of it, and it's, it is beautiful. And I wonder if you could describe it a little bit for my listeners. Like, what's, what's the outside look like? What's inside? It's more than a usual little homestead. Yes. Actually, yeah, we bought it from the grandson of the original owners of the house. It's a very, very large house. It's four stories, and it's got seven bedrooms. Downstairs, obviously, we have two kitchens for the kosher aspect of it. So it was one family living in this huge house. So in the Latin culture, you know, you typically see families living together, the grandparents, the parents, the kids. So it was a big family that lived in that house. And when we decided to start looking for a house, we met the owner, who was the grandson, and he and his wife were living by themselves in this giant house. And so he was ready to sell and buy a smaller house because it's just the two of them. Sure. And my parents repatriated, which meant that they, you know, got their citizenship status back. And my brother and I also became citizens, and therefore we were able to buy property because Americans are not able to buy property in Cuba. So now that we're all Cuban citizens, we were able to buy that property. And just to elaborate a little more, am I right that this property has a rooftop bar and also a ballroom? It does. It does. <laughs> so we converted it a little bit from what it used to be, and we um, turned it into the B&B. So we have seven bedrooms, two beds in each room. We have sofa beds. We can sleep up to 24 people. Whoa. And. So the first floor are the kitchens and, you know, the laundry room and all of that. Then the second and third floor have all the bedrooms. And the fourth floor is where we have the event space, the ballroom, with a full bar and two big terraces off of each side. 
And you can, on one side, you can see downtown Havana, and on the other side, you can see the ocean. Whoa. So it's an ideal place. The best of, bo- of all worlds, it sounds like. Yes, yes, yes. And what part of Havana is it located in? Is it near where the Jewish community, as small as it is, is near, or maybe that's irrelevant because the Jewish community is really spread out? We are about, I would say, 15 minutes from the heart of downtown Havana, which is where the Jewish community, you know, first started. Mm-hmm. And then it started growing. So we're in a neighborhood called Nuevo Vedado. And it is probably another 10 minutes to Miramar, which is where most of my family and family friends grew up. So all still in the neighborhood in a way. Pretty much. Pretty much, yes. So sounds like a beautiful bed and breakfast and a really great way to be able to bring... Jews from all over the world to experience Cuba, but the idea of having it be kosher just because of it being in Cuba sounds so complicated to me because it's there are no kosher butchers in Cuba, right? Correct. Well, as of right now, we are um, dairy parm, so we don't have any meat yet in Cuba, but we are hoping to start that very shortly with some chicken and lamb. But as of right now, we are, you know, we have fish and vegetables and glorious fruits and everything that Cuba grows there naturally. Mm-hmm. Everything else, it's been very challenging because we have to carry things by hand. So you can't go down to the store and buy kosher food. Right. So anything dairy, anything um, pasta, you know, just whatever we need, we have to bring by hand. Every time we go, we bring probably three or four suitcases full of food. So this is kind of a a labor of love, in a way. Yes, it is, absolutely. And not very easy to do, but it's worth it. It's worth it. We've had quite a few groups come and have been just tremendously impressed with what we were able to do with the resources we have. So somebody could come from, I know it's complicated to travel, to Cuba from the U.S., not so complicated from other countries. But presumably one could have like a bar mitzvah or a wedding in Havana. And I'm also wondering if some of the local Jewish community rents space or is able to use Chateau Blanc for events. Absolutely, yes. We've already had a wedding there. All right. And we are, yes, yes, it was beautiful, beautiful wedding. And we are able to rent out the space. If we have a group staying there, obviously, you know, the group comes first and we we take care of of them. But when there's nobody there, we absolutely rent out space for anything from business meetings to, like you said, weddings, bar mitzvahs, quinceañeras, all of that. Yeah. So what is your, what's your role with the bed and breakfast? It's my parents, my dad, Saul and Jesse Berenthal, and my brother, Scott Berenthal and I. So... My role is to organize the group and itineraries and facilitate that into what the team does in Cuba. So we have a whole management team at Chateau Blanc who takes care of the food, the itinerary, money exchange, everything. That makes it so easy for people to come and 
just be able to enjoy the experience of being there. Absolutely, yeah. So it has gone very, very smoothly. We just opened last September. So you're so newbies. Had... You're newbies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm guessing that you also, so I'm Jewish, I'm coming to Cuba, staying at your place, but I want to know what some of the important Cuban sites are to see, but also what are some of the Jewish sites that I would want to visit, and maybe not just in Havana. So I'm guessing you would provide information like that. Yes, in all of our itineraries, we have, well, for our our Jewish itineraries, we have visits to the three synagogues in Havana, the Jewish cemetery. There's a Jewish-themed hotel in Old Havana, and we incorporate that with the Cuban experience, so the music and the dancing and the cigars. We go to the mountains, uh, an area of Vinales in the mountains where we can see a working tobacco farm, and they'll show you how to roll the cigars. Whoa. And we go to the beaches, which are some of the most gorgeous beaches in the Caribbean. So we, we try to have a good balance of Jewish heritage and fun. Oh, it sounds like it. Um, and, to, and to be honest with you, right now, sitting on a beach sounds amazing to me. <laughs> There's snow flurries outside and, you know, all that unpleasantness about winter. Um, and this is the best time of year to go to Cuba. Of course it is. I would, it is. Yeah, I would not have to be convinced. Can you, um, yeah. I know it's complicated, but I wonder if there's, and maybe it's not possible, um, a simple description of how people might, if they were interested in going to Cuba, what kinds of things do they need to think about to make a trip like that happen from the U.S.? Yes. Okay, so from, from the U.S., that's been one of our uh, biggest challenges is to relay to the American people that it is very legal and very easy to come to Cuba. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've spoken to and they find out that I'm doing stuff in Cuba and they're like, oh, how did you get here? You're not allowed to go. <laughs> I have to explain to them that, yes, yes, you can go. It's very easy. There are 11 legal categories where you can travel to Cuba. The one that we use and the one most often used is called support of the Cuban people, which means the itinerary that what you do there need to have a lot of interaction with the Cuban people. You need to stay in a privately owned house, which Mm -hmm. we have, eat at privately owned restaurants, shop in privately owned stores. So nothing owned by the government or the military. Got it. And you need to get a visa, which is extremely easy. You can get it from your airline the day you leave, like you're at the airport to leave to go to Cuba, you go to your airline and they sell you the visa right there. Oh, really? Wow. That couldn't be easier. And that's really it. Whoa. And so much simpler than I, than I thought. And I know that your family would provide all that guidance and be able to answer questions that people might have. And if they wanted to find out more about the Airbnb and traveling to Cuba, how would, how would they reach you? Well, you can go to the website, which is www.chateau.com, 
Perfect. Or you can go to, we also have, that's our Cuban business. We oh. also have an American business, which is a, tra- a Cuba-only travel agency uh-huh. called P2P. And that is www.c2p-llc.com. And it gives you all the information, frequently asked questions, how do I get there, what kind of itinerary do I need, anything you need to know. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So I think I wanted to go back and talk a little bit more about Jewish food. And is the food that is served, is it Cuban-focused? Is it local, well, not local, well, local protos, some, I would guess. But is it also, are there Jewish pieces to any of that, Jewish thought that maybe shapes the kind of menus that you have available? Sure. Well, we like to give our guests Cuban flavor experience, but we do have Jewish type food as well. So we can do, we have the tones that we do, you know, if we're going to have a, a Shabbat. We do, um, I was trying to think of any of the Jewish recipes that we do. You know, like we have, we do we do an Israeli night, so we do hummus. You know, we have uh, tabbouleh. We have all that kind of Israeli food. And do you but, do do you do any events that are, let's say, something happened around Hanukkah? So would you have a different kind of latke than people might be expecting if they were there? We do actually, and and we did this past Hanukkah. Oh, so, tell me about it. So, yeah, so the latkes, you know, typical Hanukkah latkes are made with potatoes. But there's another root vegetable in Cuba called yuca, and we made garlic yuca latkes, and they were delicious. Can you describe what a yuca looks like and what the flavor is? A yuca is a, I mean, it's, it's a root vegetable. It doesn't look like a potato, but it's, it's got the, you know, the white inside, mm-hmm. like a potato does, but it's more stringier, but it's got that kind of fibrous, meat inside. Uh-huh. So it holds the taste of whatever you cook it with very well. Oh, so I'm just imagining crispy, flavorful garlic latkes, and it sounds really great. Yes, yes. And then um, sauce that most Cuban dishes come with is called mojo, which is a, a garlicky sauce. So that instead of applesauce, you know, we have a more savory latke, and we dip it into the garlic mojo sauce. Could you spell that? M-O-J-O. Ah, <laughs> not as hard as I thought. That is it's mojo. Oh, right. <laughs> well, you can tell where I don't come from. <laughs> 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 um, and can you think of any other, I'm trying to think of other holiday foods that might have an interesting Cuban twist, like, um, so it's almost Purim, I'm thinking of humantash and gefilte fish. We have we have made we have had uh, to build the fish, but it's pretty traditional. Mostly, yeah, very traditional. And it's funny because the people in Cuba don't know the Jewish tradition very well and the food, so they love it when we bring recipes for traditional Jewish dishes. So it's a kind of a a switch for folks. I like that. Right. Yes. 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 Uh, um, Cross cultural. Yes mix. So that's, it's educating both sides. That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to learn from each other. So it's really nice. 
So you, I know that you have been um, kind enough to share a cholent recipe from your grandmother for our listeners. So that I'm going to post that on my website. And I noticed that there were a couple of ingredients that might be unfamiliar to most of my listeners. One was yucca, which you just talked about. And the other was, and I don't even know how to say this, M-A-L-A-N-G-A. Malanga. Malanga is another, another root-type vegetable. So it, it goes very well together with the potatoes and the yucca. And do you have any idea where folks might find those lesser known products if i mean if you live i was just in florida so i was in miami and i saw i was at a restaurant and saw yucca on the menu and i thought oh now i know what that is but again not everybody lives in tropical areas even in this country so i wonder how complicated it might be to find those foods i'm in raleigh north carolina so we're in the south and i have seen the yucca in our specialty grocery stores here. So I would imagine that, you know, in other cities, bigger cities, that, that they would have them in in the specialty store. I would guess you're right. I mean, people can always substitute, but the whole point of trying this recipe out is to have the real um, flavor and sense of Jewish Cuba for your meal. So we would encourage people to who are trying the recipe to see if they can actually get to that store and, and find the real thing. That's our Cuban comfort food. You ah. know, yucca, you can ha- make yucca, fried yucca, like french fries, you know, it's different, but it's, you know, it's kind of the same. Sounds like the french fries also sound like a really good thing. <laughs> they are very good. Very, very good. I think it's that cold weather that's making me think about comfort foods, you know? Um, it's, that, it's just that kind of day. It is. I know. Here it's raining. We just had a hailstorm. So. Oh, gee. Not what you'd expect <laughs> yeah. in the South. So I think I read somewhere that your father was initially thinking of calling Chateau Blanc the White House. Um, yes. And so can you tell me that story? My dad has a very good memory. And so when our president, Bill Clinton, made it more difficult, for Americans to travel to Cuba. My dad wanted to make Americans feel better and bring the White House <laughs> to Cuba. <laughs> and we originally wanted to call it Casa Blanca, which means White House. Right. But there's a small little island in Cuba that is called Casa Blanca, and so they wouldn't give us that name. So we took the White House and we called it Chateau Blanc in French. <laughs> I think it works. I think it's great. So before we got started our conversation, I had asked you if you had just recently been to Cuba or if you were planning on on making a trip soon, and you mentioned that one is happening very soon. And any special plans for your upcoming trip? Well, we're leaving the 18th. There's going to be eight of us. And... My husband and I, you know, we've been to Cuba, but everybody else who's coming has never been. So Ooh. we're going to, yeah, we're, we're so excited to show them. They've heard about it for the past year since we've been, you know, starting this endeavor. But we're going to do all the all the typical touristy fun things. Uh-huh. We're going to take a salsa lesson. We're going to 
go learn how to roll cigars. We're going to have a rum tasting. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like it. It's It definitely sounds like it. I Cuba's on my, my travel list of places I want to go, so... I have a feeling I yeah, know exactly where I want to stay. <laughs> well, you are welcome anytime, and and the sooner the better, because hopefully sometime in the future we're gonna be able to freely, you know, come to Cuba, and we're gonna see a Starbucks on every corner. So oh, I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon. But right now it is. It's just like you step back in time. You see the old cars, and it's nostalgic. Yeah. I just see blue, I see blue, a lot of blue, beautiful water and great backdrop. Oh, the colors are amazing, yeah. The colors of the cars, the color of the water, the buildings, everything is very bright and topical. I love that. Well, Cindy, I want to thank you so much for sharing your family's history with us and and giving my listeners a, a sense of what life is like in Cuba today and that there is still a Jewish community and there's things we can do to help that community and hopefully help it so that it grows which would be really lovely i also want to thank you for sharing a family recipe that i'll encourage folks to try and um thank you for being my guest safe travels to you on your upcoming trip thank you so much and um like i said you are welcome anytime we'd love to have you thank you Thank you for listening to The Big Schmear. Our recording engineer is Max Fabian at Tightrope Recording in Chicago. And my mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, to find recipes shared by my guests. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening, and happy eating. <laughs>